in my breast, sorrow has come to rest. My life slowly fades from within. Dark is the night, darker is my soul. Oh, that stealthy cold will soon be creeping in. What you're hearing is a never-before-released clip of Max Eisen. You'll hear Eisen reciting a poem as he's being filmed for the 2018 documentary called The Accountant of Auschwitz. Maybe you also saw the film. It was on Netflix, but now it's free on CBC Gem. Anyway, that clip of Eisen, the late Holocaust educator and author, never made it into the final cut of the film. But the producers sent it to me after Eisen died on Thursday. It was a tribute to a man that I think should be considered as Canada's Elie Wiesel. He was somebody who was respected by not only the Jewish community, but many communities, the educational community, the school boards, uh, he, you know, he wrote a book. He's, he's had a very, very profound impact uh, here, uh, not in Toronto and in Canada, I think. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, July the 11th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. <music> Max Eisen died Thursday of cancer. He was 93, but up till the end, he was still busy teaching about tolerance and about how to confront evil. And he would always say, don't be a bystander, be an upstander. He had four honorary doctorate degrees. He went on 18 March of the Living trips with school groups. He was one of 25 survivors to be turned into a hologram by the Steven Spielberg Shoah Foundation in California. And just last year, he was named to the Order of Canada. And even during the pandemic, he was still giving Zoom lectures about twice a day. Eisen's first book, the autobiography called By Chance Alone, won CBC's Canada Reads in 2019. The champion of the book was science journalist Zaya Tong. She spent several months with Max during the Canada Reads contest. When we reached her in Toronto, she was still processing news of his death. Max was a truly great man and uh, getting to know him, getting to work with him, is, I know, already going to be one of the greatest honours of my life. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a true loss, and, and I just hope that his family's okay right now. When was the last time, by any chance, you were in touch with him uh, or heard from him? He was indefatigable and still working and still doing all of his speaking engagements from, from Zooms and talking to people. Um, and that was Max's spirit, you know, unstoppable. And, um, and I, I just, I don't think I've ever met anybody quite like him before in, in my life, really. When you first were on the Canada Reads jury... How did you end up being the person who shepherded and you know championed his book? Can you sort of tell us that process? Sure. Yeah, it wasn't so much a jury as as the way it works with Canada Reads is you have four, um, I guess, noted Canadians, and each one of them picks a book, and you pick the book that you believe that the country needs to read, um, and so you know, it's got to resonate with you, but it's also got to resonate with the hearts of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. So I had an opportunity to read through many different books and, and I just wasn't, none of them were pulling at the heartstrings until I read Max's book. And that was like a gut punch. And um, I knew immediately because it's such a, it's also such a warm and vivid and beautifully written book, despite the fact that it's also a, horror, a horrifying book to read with, without question. Um, but there was something about it, something about it being so first person. So, you know, 
I, I've described it as a, it's it's a little bit almost like watching a movie because all the senses, the the smells, the the things that he could hear, he had, he'd put all of that in there. And I just knew immediately that this was the book that I needed to defend. And I also knew very strongly given the current culture that we live in and the dangerous times that we live in, that this was a, a very, a very timely book. It was a book that needed to be read. And if I could, I, I wouldn't mind sharing with you perhaps something that Max shared with me in, in one of his final emails. I'm going to see if I can um, find it for you just because I think it's so important, but feel free to ask me another question. I'll wait. And, uh, I'll dig that up for you. No, I'll wait. Okay, so this was in one of the emails that he wrote and, and he said, on a larger scale, the book lays bare the evil and hatred that lurks in the world as much today as ever in the past. Under the perfect storm of circumstances, these destructive forces can again be unleashed with devastating consequences. This book is a wake up call for all people of goodwill. We must learn to recognize evil and not sweep it under the carpet. And we must then act to stamp it out, be an upstander and not a bystander. And so those words really resonated. And I just felt that um, given the rise of the radical right that we're seeing here in Canada, especially, um, it was something that I hoped that young people, old people, people all alike across the country would have a chance to learn from him. When you said that phrase, that was his catchphrase, be an upstander, not a bystander. So true. I remember hearing him say that so many times. How heavily did it weigh on you that if this book didn't win, because it's a message that's the Holocaust, you know what I mean? And it, you know, he's not in the literati world, right? Of Canada. Yeah. And he had a book and you. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I had hives. I was so stressed out. I actually broke out into hives because the weight of that was, was really heavy. You know, it's a, a dying man's final wish on top of an older gentleman's book that I, you know, his, you know, and his dream and his, you know, his, his passion to tell this story. And, but you know, the other thing at Canada Reads was that the other books were also really powerful, right? Don't forget, you know, you've got the Syrian war, you've got the other topics were mental, mental health concerns, they were about racism, they were, they were about just as many deep concerns. And, and when we were discussing it, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the reason that the book won, as, as you may remember from Canada Reads, was I had shared at the end that this was this was the last chance for many people to hear the story from, from the elderly, the dying, you know, the, the Holocaust survivors now are, are super old. They're, you know, Max is 93 or was 93 years old. And if these voices weren't heard, then they, they may forever be silenced. And so that was something that actually resonated with one of the fellow, comp you know, uh, people who was competing um, and, they were actually, he was actually going to vote against me the entire time. And I, I knew that I didn't think we were going to win, but he also had a, a grandfather that he cared a lot about. And, and so in the end of the day, it was really understanding the power and the voice of our elders in our community and, and keeping those voices alive. And, um, you know, that along with, of course, Max's tremendous story. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful that that it won, and I'm really grateful that it um, it really I think it really made a difference. 
Well, you guys made a difference. I remember listening, driving up the highway in Toronto. And when I heard, on the, I was listening to the show and I was pounding my steering wheel and I started crying. I was like, yes, because oh. I remember this so well, you know, and being Jewish as well as being knowing him and speaking with him. I just was, it was un unexpected, but amazing. And then oh. the book sales started flying off the shelves, right? Thanks to you yeah. guys. Yes, um, it, it really did. It and really did. So he became, uh, you know, I mean, he was already such a star as it was, but um, really the book ended up being sold in the United States. Um, and then Steven Spielberg made him into a, a hologram so that his words would live on forever. And yeah, I, I, it, it's really tremendous. Uh, you know, he was booked solid as a speaker. And, you know, I think that he spoke to at least 90,000 people before I met him. So I don't even know how many students he had a chance to, to speak with um, and really inspire. Uh, but I'm sure many, many, many more after that as well. Max Eisen was actually writing a new book when he died based on his life story, although this one is designed for children, all fueled by his promise made to his late father in Auschwitz that if he survived, he would tell the story to the world. I went to his funeral on Friday, and I was actually surprised to learn that Max Eisen didn't start speaking publicly about his experiences until he was already retired. He changed his mind, though, after hearing a Holocaust denier on the news, and then he never looked back. He spent 30 years on the Holocaust speaker circuit, and he also worked to make sure that those who were responsible for the Holocaust were punished. That's the storyline of The Accountant of Auschwitz. The film follows Eisen and several other Holocaust survivors as they traveled to Germany and testified in 2015 at the trial of an elderly former SS officer, Oskar Groning, a.k.a. the accountant of Auschwitz. Groning was convicted of taking part in the mass murders of 300,000 Jews in Auschwitz in 1944. That's the year Max Eisen, as a teenager, and his family were sent to the death camps from their home in what is now part of Hungary. The film's producer is Rick Bienstock. Uh, he is already uh, part of the film when I had the good fortune of meeting him. And um, his he was a very kind of, uh, I'm, I'm looking for the word now. He, he, he wasn't boisterous. He had kind of a very quiet, very strong presence. And he really, you know, made quite an impression. He chose his words carefully. And uh, he was really beloved by the by the filmmaking team. Now, what, when did you first meet him? When you were, what, were you already overseas filming or when we did you... were, we were, they did film overseas. I was not overseas. Um, and then I met him, you know, towards, well, at the end of the film, we started having screenings. We had um festival, we were at the hot dogs festival and we were doing also screenings for schools and in the theater. And Max participated in a lot of the panels and a lot of the Q and A's after the film. And he made quite an impression. One of the things that really struck me, I actually am the daughter of a Holocaust survivor who did not speak publicly about it, didn't hide it, but it, should, it was just not in, in their makeup to you know, use their experience to kind of educate a younger generation. So uh, I really had enormous respect. It made me think a lot about my own parents, but also the fact that he took this tragedy that he lived through and and used it as a way to educate younger generations and diverse generations and we know how important that is and um and max was good at it and he was a very thoughtful man 
When you say he was good at it, I mean, I've had the pleasure of speaking before him um, at, a, at, a, at a conference. And, you know, thank God I was before because no one would have wanted to speak to me afterwards, of course. And we were both selling books. And, yeah, it was, it was such an honor to listen to him. But it was not a Jewish audience. It was an honest audience of, of soldiers in the Canadian Forces College where he went. And so I could see the magic he was weaving. But I wondered if you could share what it is or what it was. You, you kind of alluded to it a little bit about how he was able to send this message out in a way that was so mesmerizing and so moving to people. Like I said, he exudes a kind of, there, there's something about him that makes you want to listen to him. He, uh, it, it, he exudes a sense of importance and he's quite poetic actually in the way he speaks. And he manages to take his experiences and turn them into universal messages. And I think that's what it is because uh, I agree with you. You know, it's one thing to address a Jewish audience that is an audience that is really interested in hearing that specific message. It's a part of the heritage. But when you hear someone like him speak to diverse crowds, younger people who were of all nationalities and ethnicities and religions, it's important that he makes that experience universal because that's how people are going to empathize with the story. And he has uh, it's just a, a way of being. And that's a special kind of speaker. Now, let's speak about the film, because, you know, there was a, a participant in the film, a survivor who forgave Oscar Groening. I remember watching it and it was very stunning that she did that, whereas others did not. Where did Max stand in terms Max, of? The Max did not did not agree with forgiving. I think it's not that he he might have agreed with forgiving. He just didn't agree, I guess, with the way it unfolded in the film, in the in reality, when, you know, uh, in the in the courtroom. But, you know, from a film point of view, we heard a lot of different feedback about Eva Kaur forgiving uh, groaning. Some people said it was the heart of the film and they thought it was fantastic. Other people said it infuriated them. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again, we were just showing and kept it in the film because it was important to see that everybody addresses and deals with their history and their pain in a different way. Do you remember what Max would have said or said later about why it was important for him to participate in this trial and then in the film about it? So I think, you know, Max saw this opportunity as, as you know, the same opportunity as him writing, as him participating in March of the Living. It was an opportunity to continue to spread the story. And I think you know, it's it. I, I don't know if people realize how brave it is to do something like that because you're reliving something over and over. And even you know, there there's small events in our lives, nothing near what he went through. And I'm sure we can all relate to how I don't like to think about that. It just makes me feel crappy again. But he was reliving it and retelling those stories over and over. And then yeah, two, three times, maybe five, six times a week. Exactly. Yeah. And and. Um, and it takes a certain amount of strength, but also bravery like that is, you know, it's not you're you're uh, not like moving on and just putting it behind you. You're saying I'm going to take this experience and I'm going to make sure that I I tell it to as many different people as possible so they can learn a lesson from that. And, you know, he says things like, well, you know, without memory, there's no there's no past without past. There's no future. I mean, he's a very, very uh, well-spoken man. And, um, you know, it's a, it is, it's a big loss. 
And also, you know, as you know, and as the CJN audience knows, um, there's not that many survivors left. We're coming on to the last of the survivors. That's a very tough thing. I have a hard time with that when I think about it. And their stories become all the more precious because you realize very, very soon there's not going to be any more firsthand witnesses to what happened. That's the reality. And uh, and he made the most use of his time to make sure that he, you know, really does it, it really brought his message to as many people as possible. At Eisen's funeral, Rabbi Jared Grover called him not just a survivor, but a symbol of goodness and righteousness by which we measure our own lives. A man who was Canada's example of the rebirth of the Jewish people. I highly recommend that you watch the funeral. The link is in our show notes. It's on YouTube. And the link to watch The Accountant of Auschwitz is also in our show notes. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Arlene Konsky of Toronto. She is a long-time listener. And we'll end the episode with a clip of Max Eisen from a few years ago speaking to Zaya Tong on Canada Reads about why he became a Holocaust educator. Uh, it was fermenting in my head that soon I'll have to do something. Right. And I remembered a powerful request that my father told me in uh, 1944 when they were selected out and we had only seconds to say goodbye Mm -hmm. through the wire fence in Auschwitz. They were in a quarantine area. And um, I knew and he knew and my uncle knew that this is going to be our last, uh, that's the last time that we'll see each other. And my father gave me a blessing through the wire, Mm -hmm. which is a custom that uh, we had in the family Friday night Coming home from the synagogue, my father used to bless all the children. Uh, May God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he bring you peace. And he told me that if I manage to survive, I must tell the world what happened here. Mm 